If you have interest in um, stars, constellations, planets, uh, this is a great time to be alive because there are all sorts of tools and resources to help you identify what's up in the heavens at any given time. Uh, there are apps. Uh, as a matter of fact, some of the apps even say what's up at the bottom. There's a little uh, button you can click that says what's up or what's in the sky right now. And it will show you, based on your location, what you should be able to see up in the sky. I was with a, a friend uh, a few weeks ago. He had one where you just aim your camera at the sky, you aim your phone at the sky, and it outlines constellations that you are looking at, and planets, and stars, and, and figures uh, in the heavens. It's a great time if you have an interest at that. Because of the rotation of the earth, um, the earth revolving around the sun, the tilt of the earth, there are planets and stars and constellations that we see sometimes during the year and we can't see other times. So the sky above us, what's up, is constantly changing from our view. We're looking up and, and we can see this planet for a month or two, and then we can't see. It's no longer in our view. It's no, it's no longer in the sky where we can see it. Now, when we can't see a particular planet or star uh, or constellation, it doesn't mean that that planet star constellation's taking a coffee break, right? It's not, it doesn't mean, just because we can't see Venus certain times of the year, doesn't mean that Venus is on vacation. It doesn't mean the whole planet just kind of checked out, is off somewhere else. What it means is, obviously, from our perspective, it's hidden, but it's still there. We can see Mars sometimes. We can see Mercury sometimes. But based on where we're looking from, we don't always see it. But it's, but it's always up. The planet, the star, is always in the heavens. It's just not always visible to us. Now, here's the truth related to that. God is always up. God is always up. Over the next 10 years, which is what we're talking about in this series, over the next decade, there are going to be times that we sense, we know God is up. Um, we, we sang a, a lyric I feel it in my bones. I feel it on my skin. Uh, very physical, tactile idea in that lyric. I feel it. I know God is up. I, I know I can sense that God is here. Over the next 10 years of our lives, there are going to be moments we're just going to know it. We're going to feel it. We're going to look, at, look around at our circumstances. We're going to go, that was God. God was at work. God is blessing. God is doing something. I know that I can see, feel, hear from God. It's going to be real. And let's be honest. 
there are going to be times over the next 10 years when we're going to look up and it's going to be dark. It's going to be difficult to see. Like looking for a particular planet or star throughout the year. There are going to be times we look up and we're not going to see it. Like with the naked eye, it's going to be dark. It's going to be hidden. We're going to... We're going to question sometimes over the next 10 years. We're going to wonder, where is God? What is He doing? Why hasn't He answered? What is He saying? Why did He let this happen? There will be nights when the sky will be dark. You experienced it the last 10 years, I bet. I bet there are times over the last 10 years, this last decade that we just finished up, if you were honest and you look back over that last decade, you would would say there were times I wasn't sure what God was doing. There were times I wasn't sure God was there. There were times I wasn't sure I was hearing from God, seeing God, knowing what God wanted for my life. There were really dark times. Nights and I looked up in the sky and I didn't see the star I was looking for. I didn't see the constellation I was looking for. I did not see the direction that I was looking for. But here's the truth God is always up, God is always reigning, God is always in control. And, and not only is God always up, but God is always up to something. God is always up, and God is always up to something. His plans are always being worked out. And sometimes we look in the heavens, we don't know the design. We we can't put together what the constellation looks like, where the arrow's pointing. We don't always know what He's up to. The pieces don't always fit together from our perspective. But this is the truth. God is always up. God is always up. To something. The next 10 years of our lives, your life, my life, God will always be up. God will always be up to something. Isaiah was a prophet in the Old Testament. And if you know much about prophets, they all had really difficult messages to deliver. Most of them would not have chosen to be a prophet if they were given a choice. Most of them would have been a camel salesman or uh, something other than anything other than being a prophet. Because a prophet meant you had to tell people bad news. You had to tell people things they didn't want to hear. And most of, most of the prophets were reluctant. Isaiah was one of those prophets that God comes to and says, I want you to deliver some really hard news to my people. The, the prophets most often brought hard news either because God's people had started worshiping the wrong things, they were, their hearts were turning away from God, or uh, because materialism and greed had started consuming their heart. They had plenty of stuff, and because they had stuff, they wanted to keep stuff and get more stuff. And so materialism and greed just was rampant in their hearts, which led to them treating the poor and the marginalized and the weak and the needy uh, with, with greater amounts of injustice. In other words, ignoring them. 
not paying attention, not caring for them in the way that God had called them to care for them. And so prophets would step in and warn people to turn back to God, to reorient their hearts to, to what God wants for them. Isaiah is one of those prophets, and he has this moment where it all crystallizes for him, this calling that he would give the rest of his life to crystallizes for him in Isaiah chapter 6. This is how Isaiah 6 begins. In the year that King Uzziah died, I saw the Lord high and exalted, seated on a throne, and the train of his robe filled the temple. Above him were seraphim, each with six wings. With two wings they covered their faces, with two they covered their feet, and with two they were flying, and they were calling to one another, Holy, holy, holy is the Lord Almighty. The whole earth is full of his glory. At the sound of their voices, the doorpost and threshold shook. And the temple was filled with smoke. Now, Isaiah 6 opens with two scenes. Scenes that are happening simultaneously. Scene 1 is what's happening down here. It's our view. It's our perspective. And in scene 1, the scripture says King Uzziah died. Now, that doesn't mean a lot to us. We haven't spent a lot of time figuring out who King Uzziah is, you you can get an overview of his life in 2 Chronicles 26, just kind of one chapter overview. Let me give you the short version of the overview. King Uzziah became king when he was 16 years old. Anybody parent a 16-year-old? Think about that. He becomes king at 16, and the Bible says he did what God said. He honored God. He became this godly, great leader of the nation of Israel. And as a result, their territory expanded. He defended the nation against their enemies. He conquered territories. He rebuilt and built cities. He fortified defenses. He fortified the wall around Jerusalem. So Uzziah was this godly strong, tremendous king until the end of his life. Uzziah makes a really bad decision born out of arrogance and pride. And he suffers the consequences of that. But on the whole, his whole life had been one of strength and purpose and faithfulness. So the scene in Isaiah 6 here on earth is that guy who has led us, that we've been looking to, that we've been following, that guy's gone. And all of the questions that would come from that, if you were a part of the nation, a part of God's people, it was the southern kingdom Judah, if you were a part of God's people, then you would begin to ask, well, what's going to happen next? Like, who's going to take his place? Who's going to defend us against our enemies? Who's going to lead our army? Who's going to be our leader? Who's going to give us safety and security? So there was all this turmoil and potential chaos and questions and looking into the sky and seeing darkness. The one that we've been trusting is not here. So that scene one happening on earth, chaos, turmoil, discouragement, frustration, fear, anxiety. And then the scene shifts and Isaiah is allowed to see into heaven. Isaiah gets this, he gets the curtain pulled back and he gets a visual on what's happening at the same time in heaven, 
And what he sees is God's up. God's on the throne. And he's being worshipped. You may not believe me. Mandy and I did not talk at all about what she was going to say or what I was going to say. Mandy took us to John 4 where John had the same vision of God. Seated on a throne and angels are flying around and they're all beginning to, see, to sing, Holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty. Now, these are simultaneous scenes. The idea is not God is on the throne and he's detached from our lives. That's, that's not the visual. The visual is even when there's chaos down here, God is on the throne and interested in what's happening in your life because God is about to intervene in the life of Isaiah. The glory of what's happening in heaven is about to meet the chaos of what's happening on earth. We sometimes speak of God as being imminent and transcendent at the same time. What we mean by that is that God is here. He is with us. He's in the immediate. All of the immediate needs and confusion of my life and your life. God's in the middle of that while at the same time he's transcendent. He's above all of it at the same time. Exact same time he's on the throne. He's ruling and reigning. Listen, there are going to be times in the next 10 years that are going to be difficult, that are going to be painful, that we're not going to understand, that we're going to look into the night sky and not see the star and not see God's hand and not know what he's doing. And you know what he will be doing? He'll be up during those times. He will be on his throne during those times. Zach, and bless his heart, I give Zach very little information about where I'm going because I'm still trying to figure it out and, and the, the Spirit always just puts Zach in the right place. Even, even when I don't see it, you're working. You remember saying that? You sang that. You sang that just five minutes ago. Even when I don't feel it, you're working. When I look at my life and there's chaos and struggle and discouragement, you're still, God is up and God is up to something. Here's what I can tell you about the next 10 years of our lives. No matter what happens on earth over the next 10 years, God's still going to be on the throne. No matter what questions you have, what discouragements you run into, what frustrations I have, how many times I ask why, how many times I look into a, a dark sky and I don't understand what's going on, every single time, God's still going to be on his throne. God's still going to be imminent and transcendent. And as we go through these next 10 years, we're going to see the throne of God. Like that's going to be our perspective. We're going to see the throne of God as bigger than any of my circumstances. Or we're going to view our circumstances as bigger than the throne of God. Those are the two options for our perspective. One of those is going to eclipse the other. One of those is going to stand between the other. Either my circumstances are going to keep me from seeing that God is still ruling and reigning and in control and I can trust Him. Or I'm going to see my circumstances through the power and the ruling and the reign of God over all things. Here's Isaiah's response in verse 5. He Things are bad on earth. 
He sees God being worshipped in heaven. And he says, Woe to me, I cried, I am ruined. For I am a man of unclean lips, and I live among a people of unclean lips, and my eyes have seen the King, the Lord Almighty. Anybody grew up watching Sesame Street? PBS? Yeah, all those, all those little kids uh, programming uh, on PBS or, or when you were a kid. There's something about, though, I don't know if you're the same way, some of those songs are still stuck in my head. I could sing one of them, and you would be, it would be going over and over in your head. Those of you who grew up with it, it would go over and over your head for like the next three days. I don't know, I don't know what sort of uh, mind manipulation Sesame Street did to all of us, but they planted these little songs and sayings and ideas in our head when we were really, really young. One of them that I think of often, and I hear it, is a song that had the line, one of these things is not like the other. You remember that little game Big Bird would play? And other characters, one of these things is not like the other. Isaiah is standing before God, and you know what his first thought is? One of these things is not like the other. One of these things is not like the other. There's God, and here's me. And there's no mistaking one for the other. Like Isaiah doesn't stroll into the throne room of God and have the thought, you know what, I would look pretty good on that throne. I bet there's a throne in my size somewhere. I could sit up there. I could see myself up there. When Isaiah encounters God, the ruling, reigning, all-powerful, holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty. When God, when Isaiah really sees him, his first reaction is to see just how far from God he is. To to surface the weaknesses in his life. There's actually, there's no rivalry whatsoever in Isaiah's heart for that throne. Isaiah's very clear. I don't belong on that throne. Now, this is a decision you and I are going to have to make all throughout the next 10 years of our life. We're going to have to wrestle with the question of who's going to sit on the throne of my life for the next 10 years. Because we're either going to be like Isaiah, and we're going to walk through these next 10 years, and we're going to say, I don't belong there. I'm not the decision maker. I'm not the one who knows everything. That's where God sits. That's not where I sit. And over and over again, throughout the next 10 years, you and I are going to have to wrestle with who's going to be on the throne of my decisions, who's going to be on the throne of my relationships. Who's going to be on the throne of my directions? Who's going to be on the throne of my next step? Who gets to do that? For Isaiah, when he saw God, he knew he didn't belong there. As a matter of fact, being in the presence of God highlighted Isaiah's weaknesses. It highlighted his struggles. Nobody comes into the presence of God and leaves thinking, man, I am the greatest thing ever. 
I am the most awesome thing ever. We don't walk away from the presence of God thinking more about us. We walk away from the presence of God thinking more about God. And when when Isaiah walked into his presence, Isaiah came away with a need to confess his failures. To say, God, this is what I need you to fix in me. This is what I need you to work on in me. When we begin a new year, we often begin it trying to figure out how to get stronger. Uh, Some of us want to be physically stronger, so we make resolutions about exercise. Some of us want to be financially stronger, so we make resolutions about getting out of debt and uh, saving money and and having a budget and managing our finances better. Some of us want to get relationally stronger, so we make resolutions about our marriage or about our parenting or about our friendships. Some of us want to get emotionally stronger, so we make resolutions about separating ourselves from toxic relationships or, or, or trying to deal with worry. We want to get stronger in the new year when God tends to work when we're honest about our weaknesses. God tends to do things in our lives when you and I are honest about the fact that we're not strong, that we are weak, we actually need Him. As a matter of fact, that's what happens for Isaiah in verse 6. Then one of the seraphim flew to me with a live coal in his hand, which he had taken with tongs from the altar. With it he touched my mouth and said, See, this has touched your lips. Your guilt is taken away and your sin atoned for. Then I heard the voice of the Lord saying, Whom shall I send? And who will go for me? And I said, Here am I. Send me. He said, Go and tell this people. And then he, and then he tells him what he wants him to say. The first interesting thing about this moment is that God was already prepared to deal with Isaiah's weaknesses. God wasn't shocked by his weaknesses. God wasn't repelled by his weaknesses, his failures, just like God isn't shocked by your failures or my failures. He isn't repelled by your failures or my failures or your weaknesses or my weaknesses. Instead, God had already provided the answer to Isaiah's weaknesses. There was already a way for his weaknesses to be, the Scripture says, atoned for, made up for, forgiven. We know that that ultimate atonement was going to eventually come through Jesus. But God had already prepared for Isaiah's Weaknesses, and and here's the thing about you and me. God is already prepared for all of our weaknesses in the next decade. He's already prepared. Forgiveness is, is ready. Grace is ready. None of us are walking through the next 10 years mistake free. I hate to break it to you. Maybe you've got a perfect 12 days going. Right, good for you. Good for you. You're doing better than I am. But maybe you're batting a thousand. Maybe you've got a perfect record for 12 whole days. You're not getting through the next 10 years without some failure. I'm not getting through the next 10 years without some weaknesses, some struggles, some problems, some mess ups, some sin. In my, I mean, we're, not, we're not sailing through the next 10 years perfect. The good news is God, God's ready for that. 
God's already providing forgiveness and grace and mercy for whatever is going to happen in your life and my life over the next 10 years. And, and, and not only that, you read the story, God used Isaiah's weakness as a strength. The very thing that Isaiah was confronted with when he initially met God is the very thing that God ends up using. Isaiah says, I have an unclean mouth. I live among a people with unclean mouths, lips. What did God need from Isaiah? He needed his mouth, didn't he? I mean, God's instructions are go and tell. The very point of weakness in Isaiah's life was the very point that God wanted to use. Now, God does that in us all the time. Sometimes we don't notice it. The areas of weakness in your life over the last 10 years could very well be the greatest tools that God wants to use in your life over the next 10 years. The moments of greatest discouragement and disappointment in your life over the last 10 years may be the very things that God uses to encourage somebody else in the next 10. To give hope to somebody else in the next 10. To to encourage, to minister to somebody else in the next 10 because you walked faithfully through weakness and failure and discouragement. God just has a way of taking our greatest struggles and our greatest disappointments and turning them into our greatest strengths for what He wants to do in our life. Here's what I know from Isaiah's example and from from our, our, our lives and experiences. Only after I look up can I be used to address what's right in front of me. I mean, notice the pattern of Isaiah 6. Discouragement, weakness, failure. Isaiah looks up, he sees God on the throne, and then God says, now I can use you. Now we can walk into these areas of your life, of the nation's life. As as you and I walk through the next decade, our ability to be used by God in the next 10 years is directly related to how much we look up. How much we pull our vision out of what's right in front of us and put it on the God that's reigning over all things. How often we allow God to pull the curtain back on our life and remind us what you see as you're looking up, those aren't all the planets. Those aren't all the consulate. Those aren't all the stars. Like there's, there's more going on that you don't see. You just got to keep looking up. You know, Mandy said while well, well, she's trying to decide which mayonnaise to buy. Like there's this whole thing going on. There's this whole work of God that's happening in your life, in my life. In the world, the question is, are we going to look up? Because at all times, God is up, and God is up to something. When we can see it, when we can't see it. When it's clear, 
when it's unclear. God is up. And God is up to something, and He will be up to something in your life over this next decade. I can promise you. Let's pray. God, thank you that we don't walk through these next 10 years alone, although it feels that way sometimes. We don't walk through these, this next 10 years just with the scene that's happening in this world and in front of my eyes. There's another scene that's crashing into this one. And it's the one where you're seated on the throne and you're being worshipped and you're being lifted high and you are up to something. Some of us come into the new decade wondering what is God up to? I don't understand. Some of us are going to get to that point at some time over the next 10 years. And when we do, remind us that though we don't see it all, And we can't make sense of it all. You are always up. You are always up to something. In our lives, in this world, and in eternity. Because you are the God that can be trusted. Even when we don't see it, you're working. I pray it in Jesus' name. Amen. Let's stand and worship the God who is always up to something.